if you use the code WILDLOVE, you're going to get a discount and those are going to be even less expensive and you can buy two. Whitney, something you don't know about me is I never even had a vibrator until I was 52 years old. I was born (laughs) when I was 52 years old. What? I know. That's why I love that we're sponsored by Sweet Vibrations. Oh my God, me too. Not only that, I mean, welcome to the world Wednesday. I know. Welcome to the world. Okay. Here's the amazing thing about Sweet Vibrations vibrators. They're under $50. They're waterproof. They come in all these beautiful, bright colors. Mm -hmm. They're chargeable. And they feel absolutely amazing. They feel amazing. And there's one for every vulva and preference. There are so many different Sweet Vibrations vibrators. What's your favorite one? Okay, my favorite one is the girl's best friend. I had never used anything like this before. I was like, "Eh, I love my bullets. I like this. I like that. Then I used the girl's best friends like literally two weeks ago and it blew my face off. My orgasm was so strong. I was like, this is my new favorite toy for the rest of my life. I'm never using anything else again. Thank you, Sweet Vibrations. All right. Ooh. Do you remember how boring it was when you had sex ed, if you even had it? I remember being absolutely terrified. Well, the guests that we have on today, Francisco Ramirez and Dirty Lola, are making sex ed cool. They're making it intersectional. They're making it inclusive and they're making it so much fun. I love them. And they're making it real. They're giving us accurate information, which I feel like is one of the issues that we have today. Yeah. You're going to want to tune in um, to just see how sex ed got such a great update. Mm -hmm. Here we are, Wednesday. Here we are, Whitney. (laughs) And we're going to do something a little bit different today. We are. We have these two incredible guests here, but we're not even going to talk about them for a second. We're just going to stare at them for a little while. We're going to stare at them as Mm -hmm. we each tell... Look how cute they it's are. Good, though. I like I can't, it. This is, <laughs> yeah. Listeners, you're, you're going to love this. But first, you have to hear a couple of anecdotes about sex ed. Can I tell my sex ed story? Please, please. We want to hear this. Because we have some I know it's rock not, and sex educators. It's here. good and not good. Okay, here's my sex ed story. I grew up in Grand Rapids, Michigan, which is a very small, conservative town. And um, did I say that it's very religious? Super religious. And um, when I was in third grade, this girl came up to me on the playground. Her name was Denise Hodges. It's burned in my memory. And she was in sixth grade. (laughs) Not to call you out, Denise. (laughs) Not to call you out or anything. And um, maybe we have to edit that out. And she said, I know how um, people have babies. And I said, oh, really? Well, hit me up. And she said, the, the guy puts his penis in the woman's vagina and then some stuff comes out and that creates a baby. And I looked at her and I thought, how sad that she's lost her mind. <laughs> and I marched home. I don't know if I left school early. I mean, I was like on a mission, marched home, burst into the kitchen and said to my mother, I think Denise Hodges has lost it. Listen to what she told me. This cannot possibly be true. And my mother, to her credit, how old were you? A feminist. I was in third grade, so I must have been, was I seven, eight? Okay. Yep. Yeah. So my mom's a big feminist and she kept a straight face and she said, that information is correct. And all I could think about was how a penis going into a vagina would hurt a lot. So my mom, to her credit, said, actually, it feels great. And that just sent me, right? And I was like, how can I be? And then Later, she gave me a book that described an orgasm as like a sneeze. She gave me a lot of books and I could sort of read. Okay. So like she was kind of trying to get some pleasure education Mm -hmm. in there. Okay. Fast forward. 
maybe fifth or sixth grade, the whole thing about you're going to get your period and now you can get pregnant. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm locking these legs together. Mm-hmm. Fast forward, 11th grade, Mr. Lovers, our chemistry teacher, standing Mr. up. And, Lovers? Yeah, Mr. Okay, Lovers. Just, Lovers. Oh, I was like, oh. this is turning into a porno. Wait, Lovers? <laughs> Lo- Lovers. Lovers, oh, yeah. Lovers. Okay. Yep. Just, wow, I'm calling everybody to the carpet right now. Standing there in front of his, in chemistry class, with no prologue, no working up to it, nothing. Just stands there and starts talking about... STIs, we now call them. We used to call them sexually transmitted diseases and how bad they were and how sure sex is feels good, but is it worth it? Yeah. And that was it. Mm-hmm. That was my sex ed experience. Is what it worth it? Was like, yours. Is it worth to have sex to get Yeah, STDs? he's like, you can get these STDs, you can get pregnant. Oh, and I remember him saying, condoms are not 100%. Um, an IUD isn't 100%. A diver. I mean, is it worth the risk? He didn't talk about the pill. And we were just kind of scared. And then we just went back to chemistry class. That was it. It was messed up. What about you? Oh, goodness. Yeah, I mean, similar. My sex ed story is just, it's crazy. So I grew up in South Texas, you know, real, bless your heart. We don't really talk about that here. It's real religious, you know. Mm. And um, I first and foremost was like gym class. And they brought us into gym class. And there wasn't much there. It was just like, don't have sex. Okay, great. Let's go play basketball, shall we? Type of deal. Mm-hmm. Um then I um I remember I went to church like once or twice, realized it's not my thing. Um so and, but purity rings were really popular. Purity popular. rings. Like abstinent rings. And they gave me this little form and everyone in at the church was getting your purity ring and I took took it home. And my dad was like, You want a purity ring? And I was like, Yeah, I think so. He's like, But are you really not gonna have sex until you're married? He's like, Good, but are you gonna do that? And I was like, mm, mm-hmm. probably not. You're right. <laughs> And I'm like my only child with for, with my dad, so he like raised me. <clears throat> and then I got in trouble in high school with me and my girlfriends, and we got sent to alternative school, which is like in Corpus Christi, Texas, gnarly. Mm-hmm. Okay, I was Miss Corpus Christi teen at the time. We had like the captain of the swim team. We had the mascot. We had like the best cheerleader. They like wanted to really. You got busted example. for drinking. We got right? busted for drinking. So you so got they sent, sent us over there. Us. We couldn't wear. Um, we had to wear white hair ties, no makeup. We couldn't bring a pencil. We had to be like fully padded down and searched. Like they unbuckled our pants. The whole thing. <clears throat> that sex ed was kind of crazy because everyone, almost everyone, already had children, mm-hmm. even though they were in high school. Like way too late. Way too late. So they're like, how can we just scare the fuck out of these people? Mm -hmm. And they would just show us the most terrifying slideshows of what, you know, your penis or your vulvas and vaginas can look like if you contract something. This is syphilis on your labia. Although they probably didn't say labia. Oh, no, 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 no. no. It was just, it was like leprosy, right? It was like to terrify you. Yeah. And, but most of the people were in there already talking about their, um, baby mamas and baby daddies yeah. from like right. 14 to 17. And then one of the guys in class got into like a fight with our teacher. <laughs> so Drama. There There's dra- okay. And you know what? Your sex ed was like mine, right? Like nobody was talking. I knew I had queer friends. We didn't say queer then, but like, I was like, is anybody talking to my friends? And nobody was talking to my black girlfriends who were not having any more sex than I was, but who everybody presumed them to be sexually active mm-hmm. and super freaks 
there was no part, there was no acknowledgement in my sex ed class that like we have racist attitudes about sex and that we have heterosexist attitudes about sex. It was just like penis and vagina. This Same. is it. There was yeah. no okay, so for you too. whatsoever. Okay. So here's the thing. There is. We have a fix <laughs> in the room with us today, two beautiful people, Francisco Ramirez <laughs> and his equally awesome colleague. I'm just going to call you what you like to call yourself yeah. on social media, Do which it. is Dirty Lola. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You guys, I feel like you're changing sex ed for the better. I mean, we're trying. I mean, what you just described is still happening. Like, it's 2020, and this is still, for a lot of kids, especially below the Bible Belt, this is still what they're getting. Um, here in New York, I will say my sex ed experience, I, I grew up in South Carolina, so okay. we got the period talk. We got the separated from boys and girls. And right, there's bodies. the sex segregation. So we didn't get the scare tactic, but it was more like, this is your body, and you're growing up, and this is what's going to happen. And Disney actually produced a period film that I'm still trying to find to this day. <gasps> oh, I have it. You, uh, well, they Girl, were, oh, my goodness. Okay. Look how so good it is that we're Disney here. And they taught you how to wash your panties out and everything. Like, And this happens if you go to the nurse. The nurse will have extra panties. Oh, Lola. I I had I saw that too. Yeah, that, it was, oh my god! I'm just having a flashback. Yes, and it was right? like, that was our movie. It wasn't yes. even a DVD. It, no, it, it was, was on a projector. Because yeah, and then I think in seventh grade I got another like this is your body, but they stepped it up and added STD talk into it. And there was still like it wasn't they didn't show us like diseased body parts, but it was still like hey, sex is pregnancy, sex is STDs. Right. Uh, this is how babies are made. Don't have sex. Like it wasn't anything yeah. about pleasure or how bodies work. We didn't learn okay. anything oh God, about no. the things. <laughs> but then I started, I went to high school in New York and our sex ed happened in our health class, which you took at some point in your four years. And it was very much focused on uh, STDs. Some ab- And not, it was like the best way to not do this is be abstinent or, and they always added the or. But the thing that made the experience different was my high school. So the high school I went to, our nurse's office actually was staffed by um, one of the major hospitals in New York. So we actually had actual nurses from oh, the wow. hospital. But we had birth oh. control. You could go in and get a birth control prescription. You could go in and get any kind of um, barrier method. Um, you could go get testing. You could go get Sweet. like all of those things in our nurf- nurse's office. We had a daycare. So if you were a mom and you had had a baby, you could bring your kid. You had to get there at 6 a.m., drop your kid off, get them set, and then you could go to fucking school. That's what we had too. Your, yeah. This is incredible high though. schools had daycares because we had right. the highest team pregnancy rate in yeah. like the U.S. for the longest time. It helps because it, one, it helped in the sense that now you have these kids that aren't going to fall behind and they can still... They can finish school. But it helped us because, like, I got to see girls with their babies in school and the struggle of, like, having to get there real early. And I was part of student government and things like that. So one of our volunteer efforts was we went in to help take care of the babies in the daycare oh, wow. center sometimes. Like but that. you really got to see, like, what it was like. How hard it is. Yeah, and, like, keep having, like, dealing with a child. And we also had, like, queer groups. And so many of the kids I went to high school with, we all came out as queer, bi, trans, like, after. But we had groups where we would meet and talk and be able to do those things. So while we didn't get formal, helpful sex ed, there was this whole superfluous thing happening in our progressive high school that really was, like, 
here, here's the world and we know you're having sex and we're not going to punish you oh, for wanting to see, be so sexual. Nice. Here's how you can keep yourself safe. And if you end up here, here's yeah. how we're going to help you. It's like there was an infrastructure acknowledging your sexuality a little right. bit, right? Yes. And okay. Yeah. So, and that sort of set the ground for you to do I maybe did it kind did of. it make well, you more open minded? That little girl that you taught I was Denise. I was the Denise. <laughs> oh, God bless I you. I porn under my grandfather's bed and was like, Do you know what's called a cunt? Have you ever heard anybody say that? Like, do you know what a cunt? I was no. like, Hey everybody, here's your assignment. I want you here's to go your home assignment and I want you to draw pictures of body parts and we're gonna share them tomorrow. Okay, this is just happening. Kid. You were that kid. I was that kid because it was fascinating. And then also I was I have sexual trauma in my past. And so like sexual trauma does make you somewhat hypersexual because you way too early learn that you can have an orgasm. So at an early age, I started masturbating after being molested, which is a thing that they're like, yeah, this happens. But I started discovering my body. But really early, I was like, I can give myself pleasure. And I found out by accident by like sitting on a ball and I was like bouncing around. And I, and I, I hear this story no. <laughs> And I had an orgasm. And that's how I masturbated for a very long time. I sitting humped on until a I ball. was 18. Yeah. Well, I humped on things like doll faces okay. and anything firm but soft. Yeah. Right. And so I humped until I was 18. You I, figured it out. Yeah. Well, because I didn't. Yeah, it was like you figure a thing out, but it made me curious. So yeah. my sexuality didn't necessarily make me go like want to have sex with all the boys. I didn't lose my virginity till I was 18. Mm-hmm. I was but I went to sex parties in high school. We had sex parties. Y'all had sex parties? Yeah, we would and it wasn't like a wow. I don't think we're ever like come to the sex party. It was come to this party. And it's then... a half day. Nobody's parents knows it's a half day. <laughs> we're all going to this one person's house. Uh it to, the the code of silence was you had to take a shot and that way and we took a picture with like one of the the Kodak oh yeah, yeah, yeah a Kodak but it was disposable that, like, camera listen, if you ever tell we're gonna we're gonna go develop this film and you're gonna get in trouble because you're holding a bottle of Jack it was so like, sip it you're never gonna tell anybody <laughs> but it it started out just sitting around and watching like original sin we loved Angelina Jolie movies so Gia original oh, sin Gia yeah. there's such a good anal scene she every time they like do a heist she gets fucked in the ass and he gives her a tattoo it's like oh my god thing. does what? anybody not remember this movie I rem- do not yes. remember this movie Movie. And we would watch the Houston 5000, which was a porn where the porn star Houston got fucked by, maybe it wasn't Fat it was 500 at the time, but that was when porn star actresses were doing the like mass gangbang. Yes, and, and they up. were saying, guess what? Like, there's right. nothing you can do to me that I'm not imagining doing right. to myself. Let's do this. So yeah. we would sit and watch that, but we would just sit and watch and hang out and like, but I had a girlfriend at the time and I had a boyfriend at the time. I didn't know what polyamory was, but here we were. And, doing it. And we were just, and we would make out and some kids would have like full on sex and some kids would just heavy petting and it was just we were together and some then there was this other contingent that had started a sex party and they did like games like the flip and switch where there's a caller in the middle and you all have a partner and they go flip and whoever's on top goes to the bottom and then switch the person on top has to rotate and go to the next person in line and you did whatever you would make out you would you know whatever it was you're giving people so many good ideas right now right I'm like putting that one in my back pocket for this weekend yeah but I can tell you (laughs) none of us ever got an STI like there were, we weren't passing anything to each other none of us in the, out of that section there was people who already had kids but they didn't have more kids like nobody ever got pregnant right and when when i hear all the horror stories i'm like i was a teenager mm. who 
air quotes, participated in risky behavior. But what it did was it made me not seek sex. I didn't go and feel like I had to go find somebody and fuck. I also knew Mm -hmm. that I could get pregnant Mm -hmm. and all these things. And my mom was a teen mom. I did not want to be like my mother. You know, my mom was 30 something and already had three of us. And so... Like, but I wanted to explore and experience things and I knew how to give myself an orgasm already. So I'm like, I can do this myself. You want to watch. It's like, so interesting that like just kind of comparing your story to my story, because I was like, we had the, the scare yourself to death and then abstinence is the only way. Right. And so I'm wondering if there's like a correlation between abstinence is the only way. We're not going to give you any sort of sexual education with the high rate of teen pregnancy that mm-hmm. we had in Corpus. But then specifically for me, I knew that you could get pregnant, but I was not safe and I was fucking, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. like I was having sex from a young age and I, it's just really interesting to just watch Imagine if we took girls spectrum. how to masturbate. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. I, we need I lessons. this all the time. I think this would yeah. be so amazing to have like a full yeah. pleasure like class or book yeah. or something specifically for yeah, men and yeah. g- boys and girls. Right. How yeah. might you like to touch this? Do you like it directly, yeah. indirectly from the set? Or yeah, just we not talked even about that, this. but we correlate becoming a woman and, you're, and being into the echelon of womanhood with having sex with a man, which is with just a penis. Exactly. wrong yeah. with all, yeah. right, with a penis. There's so many different so many different ways but also like nobody tells you that these people don't they don't know how you work because nobody taught them right and so a lot of us are thinking we're broken which i thought i was broken well into my 20s oh that's the most common thing i hear i mean all the time i am so interested in how lola's path into sex education was so organic and like hitched to trauma Mm -hmm. but also hitched to pleasure and like positive experiences Mm -hmm. and and pop culture yeah we need to get back to that and Francisco, can we just pivot to you for a second? Because you have a background in public health. And I would think that like a guy with a master's in public health and a woman who's got this background um, in burlesque and activism and sex positivity is like the perfect combination. But it seems like it doesn't happen very often. Mm. Tell us about your, (laughs) you know, how you guys tell us about your course into sex ed and how you and Lola connected and are changing everything in terms of sex ed. So I feel like I have a lot of in common (laughs) with what people were saying about um, Lola, what I really appreciated one of the things I really appreciate about what she said is this idea of like mining our own path, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? That is so, so when I think about, you know, safe sex, that's, that was in quotes, right? When I think about these binary things, like I did the right thing, I did the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. It's you're doing a thing. You're doing a thing. That may or may not make sense for you. Right. My role is how can I equip you or help you equip yourself with the tools so that you can find out what your right path is Ooh, for yourself. God, That's what my role that. is yes. as a sexuality educator. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That yes. sounds great. Yes. Did you, was that like a controversial viewpoint when you were studying public health and would you? Oh, oh, yes. <laughs> I know I yes, did. Absolutely. Just so throw you an <clears throat> underhand Yeah. I, I mean, you know, what, so you know, I'm thinking back on my own since everyone's sharing their, you know, yes, stories, please. et cetera. I feel like for me, uh, there was this a commonality that I had with your stories as well around like something pops up and then we just deny it and we dismiss it, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So I would hear things. And the thing, the thing for me is my parents wanted to have the talk. My parents kept being like, well, now's the time for the talk. And I'd be like, <laughs> I don't want to have the what? talk. Where? Yeah. No, nope. not long less. Not what? <laughs> no, <I'm> not <laughs> 
And uh, not today, so sir. Not, not today. today. And then finally, what it came down to <laughs> was like me hiding around the house for probably a year or so, <laughs> just I'm trying not, not to kidding, have the talk, running out of the room because I was like, I don't want to hear anything from my mom. My mom was finally frustrated and sat me down in like in an area that I was like trapped. <laughs> she tied you down, basically, <laughs> which was your introduction to kink. No, I'm kidding. And her words were almost verbatim. All I want to say, because she was frustrated, all I want to say is that in this world, a lot of people take advantage of women's bodies. Don't do that. And I was like, yes, mama. Okay. And then I was like, can I go? And she's like, yes. Oh, that was the talk. That that ended up being my my talk around um, like interpersonal, you know, interpersonal qualities, respect you know, intention, mm-hmm. right? That mm-hmm. ended up sort of being my only kind of parental foundation. And then for me, the rest of the way was writing to prisoners. That's what I did when I was a kid. I have all these like letters. Letters, letters, letters to prisoners? Back I and forth. I goddamn love you. This is- How did that start? It started what? because cause I was a badass kid, yo. And yeah. Like, wait, wait. I was a badass kid. I wrote to prisoners. I was a pen pal. <laughs> like, I was I was a hardcore pen pal. It started because Okay, I where was, was like, this happening? This was in California. Okay. And I was big into like I wanted to be in the punk scene I was not in the punk scene but I loved throwing like punk names around I was like oh yeah seven seconds oh yeah like dead kind of names yeah (laughs) and so I would hang out with like the punk kids and they're like we you know like you've got to like Hang out and do like the things that punk people do, and so they just, I got into the zine culture basically. Okay, hundred years ago, right where yeah. we'd have like people a zine make their own culture, thing. Zine, zine like, like a magazine. magazine. Oh, people zine. would make their people it's produce like a grungy their own nineties thing. Okay, totally. Yeah, and in there they would have ads for people that wanted correspondence in different places, and I didn't realize I didn't I didn't actually realize that the whole thing was potentially controversial. That maybe right. I shouldn't be doing it until I started. I sent one time I sent somebody I think it was a five dollar bill. And then I got this letter back oh, um, from the warden, from the like official thing that my parents were like, "What is this official thing?" <laughs> oh, and what? it had the the five dollar bill like in there, and it had like the numbers of the bill, and it was all this shit. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, I did something wrong." But anyway, to make a long story short, just trying to be a pen pal over just here, just trying to be a, pen a punk rock like, pen pal. People would put their so the prisoners would put ads in the magazine, and then you would find them and then send it to the specific inmate. Yeah. Yep, okay, exactly and be a right. pen pal. Yep, yeah, and the one that I had that taught me a lot, genuinely, like some of my first like lessons about sex were for someone who I'd love to find this person. I was about to say, do you know, you don't know who he is or where he is? I would love is? to find. I do not know where this person is. Their name is Sir Omar. An Sir amazing. Omar. We're naming Omar. people today. Yeah. We're naming what, yeah. what uh, prison I'm, were they at? I'm sure wasn't I can't <laughs> even remember. I'm sure it was California, although it could not. I don't. I'm sure it was California. I'm sure it was California because I think I remember the. The letter coming back for me. Okay, wait, what did Sir Omar teach you, if you don't mind sharing, because we're talking about our sex ed experiences? I I actually got, in one letter, I got an actual, like, um, pull out from a magazine. like from. Oh, wow. It was like a um, proto-sext. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like a sex before sex. I kid you not. A snail mail sex. It was not a great picture. I couldn't figure out what was really going on in it. It was the first cock pic. Somebody, I printed it out on printer paper and I got it in an email. That was my... my, my, Yeah, no, dude, it came out one line at a time. You know, you're like watching it load. It pauses. I still have that shit. Nothing, mom. (laughs) Anyway, he sent me a picture. I think it was from like some 
maybe like a penthouse or playboy or something like that. And then he would tell me things. And I was, I don't know, it was maybe like 14, 15, mm-hmm. something like this. And learned a lot that way. And then ended up hanging out with drag queens in San Francisco, where I learned everything I really needed to know about Seriously, sex. Seriously, I mm-hmm. want to go do that so bad. Lessons from drag queens. Yeah. yeah. And hanging out in bars yeah. when I was not even 18. And Same. Girl, that's Bag, how we do. Oh, oh my God. Go. Me too. Yeah. There we are. Here Bag we are. Here we are. Here for we the are. win. So that's how I learned a lot. It's, you know, paving my own way. And that's what I, I mean, I was thinking about this walking over here um, this morning. I was like, you know, what to say about sex ed and mm-hmm. like, safer sex and all this. And I was like, there's so much stuff out there. So much. But when I, whenever I give a talk on safer sex, it's always the people who come up to me afterwards where I feel like the real work gets done. I because I can you. do the you know, the basics or whatever, but it's yes. that one-on-one of like, ah, the same thing that we just modeled here. Right. Where it's like something happened to me. I have a story to tell. This is a personal history. I need-, I need to say something about it. I need you to hear me. And then together, can we find some path? Yeah. And that's what I end up doing, you know, in 90 seconds with people one-on-one when they, you know, Yeah. Like you've done it in Central Park. You Can you tell people about that? Yeah. And so, can you tell, talk to us about that and also about your work with Lola? Of course, of course, of course. So about 10 years ago, I started this thing called Free Sex Advice. So I put out a I sign um, and I go to subways and parks, parks, benches, Union Square, Washington Square Park, all over. Christmas Street. Christmas Street, you name it. I'm finding um, you. Yay! I know. And I just put up the sign. It says free advice, sex relationships, dating and people line up we have conversations about whatever's on their mind and we, I really follow their path there's kind of no right or no wrong they can say whatever they want they bring their family members their parents their oh, children, so you have like people line up for this yeah it's a hoot I've Lola's seen with photos me. I've oh, seen photos yeah. of people waiting to talk to yeah. you and to talk to you guys it's so awesome and um, and it's really born out of the idea that everyone has a right to live their own sexual life however they want and that mm. the conversations around safer sex around sex ed all of these things are tucked away mm-hmm. and aren't yeah. embedded into the fabric. And so that's why, even though I don't always have a permit, most of the time I don't. And right. many times I've gotten in trouble and, have, you know, walked away with my tail behind my legs <laughs> and crying, et cetera, because of, I get kicked out for doing this and I really oh, don't care. No, because you're I doing really a public service. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I met Lola. How, wait. Well, I'm, we met. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. So you, you know, he was my inspiration oh. for just oh. when I was, just, you know, a pair of titties on Twitter. Girl. Um, that started... <laughs> just? Don't say just. Well, That's a know, big well, thing. I didn't really do... Start getting into anything. So, little backstory. I was just living life and ended up l- being with my who person who became my husband when I turned 20. So, I had, like, this very sexual early and, into late teens. And then I was locked down. Okay. And then went through this whole, like... I'm a, still growing and figuring out things, and I'm I, I'm kinky. I think I'm poly. All this stuff, huh? Where can mm. I talk about this stuff? Twitter, and I mm. started tweeting microerotica about my old experiences, yeah. and then that turned into a blog. And I would also tweet uh, pictures of my tits. Like Titty Tuesday was really big back in the day, and I did all these I like really arti- artistic photos of boobs, like little bows on my nipples, how yeah. cute, all kinds of stuff. And I garnered a very large following. Yes, and then I started really just talking about things that interested me and sex and all these things. And a friend of mine was like, you have to do something with this. And yeah. a friend, a friend who, cause I was hosting burlesque shows and the friend I was hosting with all the time uh, was at a party and I was 
always pulling out like my trunk and have you seen this? Do you know what this is? Wait, I got an extra this, da da da. Oh, and because I've always been the friend that will best take you friend to the sex ever shop who can answer your questions because I'm very self taught since yeah. child, always yeah. curious. And she's like, you need to do this for other people. And I'm like, I don't know if anybody wants to hear me just talk about sex. So I started going to conferences and I went to Catalyst Con and that was where I met Francisco. But I just went to one of his talks and it inspired his talk was the talk that made me believe I could do my show Sex Ed A Go-Go, which is a live sex ed Q&A. So cool. Sex Ed A Go-Go. If you haven't checked it out. still going on. So, yeah, we're on hiatus right now and I'm figuring out shows for this year in New York. Do you tour? I do. So I'll be, uh, the show's going to Arizona and Dallas right now. And Austin. And, um... And, and Austin. Am I going to Austin? <laughs> and Austin. Now you are. <laughs> so, yeah. Come on, it would be so great. I'm just saying. I need to, yeah. I'm still working. I'm doing the conference circuit because it's just easier because mm-hmm. I can just show yeah. up and it's Okay, fine. I'll come audience. to Dallas. Yeah, come to Dallas. Yes, it's but, so far, Whitney. Yeah. It's not so far. But it's. Well, in Texas. I <laughs> Let's be real. I know. <laughs> Text is nothing as close. To no, nothing at it's all. Sprawling. It's worth. Let's just put it this way: it's worth it. It's worth the it's trip worth to Dallas. It. We'll go. I actually really enjoy Dallas. Yeah, I love me a good cowboy. It's lovely. <laughs> so yeah, and that's how we met, and then we became friends. So Sex and... a Go Go started. Yeah, and is it's been six. It's going years. still, even though it's on hiatus. Yeah. And then how did the amazing? TV show with the cut in New York Magazine that we got that we to see, watched, in right. which we loved. So, yes. Sex props. I want you guys to come spruce up my bedroom. Do the thing, okay. you know? Yeah. So we actually, Francisco was like one of my first guests because when I first started the show, I didn't have guests. Okay. My friend who was helping me produce the show was like, you should have guests because you like to talk to the audience. You got to stop doing that. Cause we were trying to record. He's like, <laughs> you need somebody you can talk to. And you were my first, like, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. And then, so Fran did a whole bunch of stuff with me. And then, so I always talk about why it's great to help people out and not always do things have to be paid to do things because I work in a sex shop. Um, we get a lot of students who are writing papers and things and a student had come in and they were writing an article and they wanted to ask oh. questions. So I sat with them and they came in a few times and it was great. And I didn't think about it anymore because it's a student, you know, mm-hmm. few years later, a couple years later, I'm sitting in L.A. going through my sex at a go-go email and I'm like, oh, crap. Because it's on my website and I always forget to go in there. And I get a message from someone saying, hey, I don't know if you remember me. I was a student. I now work at New York Magazine. Oh, wow. Oh, look at that. They were doing this series called um, Sex Eyewitness. No, No, so it was... um, Basically, it was, oh, it's called Expert Witness. Expert so basically, witness. they were having people in different jobs watch scenes from movies okay. about their job and comment on it. So they did for us, they did sex educators watching sex scenes. And they oh, just recorded our reactions. Yes. Oh, my God, I have to watch I remember that. this. <laughs> I remember this. So we did that. Also a free thing. And because I was like, sure. She was like, do you know anybody? I was like, I know the perfect person. Send him a, t- a text. And I was like, you want to do this with me? Okay. From that, they were like. Do you want to do a show? Tell us what you want to do. Oh, Pitch us something. Great. And so we pitched them a whole bunch of ideas. A whole bunch. And then Sex Probs was the one that rose to the top. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there we there we go. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I feel like Sex Probs is a show where you were able to implement this very basic point that 
still blows people's minds, which is both of you say, I think Lola, like you said it, but I've heard you both living it. You do not have to be white and thin and heterosexual to have a great sex life and enjoy sex and and be sexual. Mm -hmm. Hello, we all have a sexuality just because we're only seeing this narrow sliver. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about that a little? Because you guys, uh, I mean, I said before we were talking about how you guys to us are the new sex ed. Mm -hmm. It's inclusive. It's diverse. It's the opposite of the sex ed I had, which was just all about this, Mm -hmm. right? Just will you talk about that agenda a little bit and how you were able to do that on sex props Mm -hmm. and how you get that messaging out? I mean, I think for me, it's influenced by the other sex educators that a lot of people, there's so sex education is diverse, but you wouldn't know it. Like there's so many sex educators of color, especially black women Mm -hmm. who are black women are out in sex ed housing right now. Oh yeah. They are in the South. They are all over, but they're in their communities, Mm -hmm. like really doing the footwork and they don't get the attention they deserve. They don't get the money they deserve. They don't get, they don't get a lot of stuff because yeah. a race and all these things yep. are still playing a big part. I didn't know that the two most important sex researchers in America, probably, arguably, yeah. June Dobbs Butts, hmm. right? And yeah. um, I mean, she was a hugely important sex researcher, and so is Gail Wyatt. Mm-hmm. And when I was writing my book, I was like, why did I have this idea that even like sex researchers are white men in white coats? Mm-hmm. That's not what's happening. No. Mm-hmm. Like a big foundation of our sex research was built by those two black women, yeah. those two black sexologists. And they're still fighting the, there's so much around like gynecology being founded on a racist white man, oh tortured God. black women. Literally tortured. And how we still, hypersexuality was because racist white men were saying these black women are savages and hypersexual and so and that is been yeah. and we don't have a we have a high pain threshold and all oh these my lies that lies. are basically killing black women who are giving birth yeah. and Ugh. creating all of this stuff and so there are a lot of people that I just started paying attention to and reading and following and like Erica Hart who's amazing mm. and really seeing the disparity between the business I was getting into where it's still a lot of white folk and then all of these amazing women and and men, just people, just Mm -hmm. amazing people who are, you know, LGBTQ and not thin and and just tons of disabled folks who are Mm -hmm. doing Mm -hmm. all this amazing sex ed work that's not reflective. Mm -hmm. And so everything I do is like sex ed a go-go. I want to get, who can I get on? Because the show was about answering people's questions, but also introducing people to these people that I know to be amazing Mm -hmm. and not having it be the same people you see everywhere. Right. And when we did the show, I know we talked to each other and it was not a question that we wanted the guests to be diverse. Mm -hmm. We wanted our resources to be diverse. We didn't want to speak for communities that we weren't personally representative of, like when we had Robin on. And Mm -hmm. To their credit, New York Magazine did not fight us mm-hmm. at all. Like, yeah. we didn't have to go yeah. to the mats for anything mm-hmm. um, because that's our, I mean, I, I feel like yeah. that's our sex. That's yeah. what we really see. Yeah, I mean, yeah. To, to, to blow up that point even more, the idea that, like, kind of thinking about what we talked at the beginning is, like, we at this table got our sex ed that, the sex ed that matters, that really helped us out, mm-hmm. I would say, was from different people in yes. different communities, as right. opposed to patriarchal 
mess, et cetera, right. right? So how do we, I think that's that's one of the things that I love about working with you is how do we bring in those other voices to talk to each other and how do we sometimes fade back, right? right? Yeah. So that those conversations can just happen on their own. Right, because we don't always have to, and I think this is a thing that a lot of our white counterparts haven't picked up maybe is that you don't always have to be the forefront sometimes like being the connector being the supporter is a big beautiful role and that's a role I love to feel like yes I'm a Leo and I do like (laughs) to be out and have my face out but I can do both like you can push other people up like even I'm not I feel like I'm not where I, I know I'm not where I would want to be in this business and I'm getting to be a name, but I still will say like, I can't do this, but you know who can. Right. And I have what I call the Lola Dex because I'm right. old and I believe in, <laughs> I love Lola Dexes. Um, but it's Lola basically Dex. just, which I would want to later create into an actual site and I'm mentally working on all of that. But it's just, I've started categorizing people on Twitter and you can add them to a right. group. And I can't I hate that you can't sort them in any kind of meaningful way in right. that. But basically I just add people and people go, who do I talk to? And go look in the Lola decks because mm. it's full of marginalized people who are talking about sex. Yeah. So mm. if you're POC, if you're disabled, LGBTQ, and you're talking about sex, I put you in the Lola deck so that people can go through and find people who they can use for articles because that's the thing too is so many experts to quote i mean if you're not look you could so easily reproduce hierarchies with who you're quoting in your article that you're Mm -hmm. writing Mm -hmm. or who Mm -hmm. you're having on your tv show and pushing back against that seems like it's like cite black women um sunday right like Mm -hmm. that a lot of academics do just like Mm -hmm. Get those names out there yeah. so that people see that the range of experts and spell their names, right. and spell their names and hyperlink them to their <laughs> sites and like yeah so yeah. people can because that's what it's about it's about like diversity isn't just having people show up so for a picture it's the actually connecting your audiences mm-hmm. and and like, changing the infrastructure yeah, of how, and, yeah. and realizing your 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 privilege I have tons of light skin privilege. I know I know when I'm the token black person because I look acceptable. I will call you out about it, take your money, and tell you about more black ladies that you need to hire. And that's kind of like Kevin Patterson. He's a great sex educator and polyamory. Oh, educator. Kevin wrote Love's Not Colorblind. Yes, and we're trying did. to get him on the show. Kevin, are you listening? Mm. Come on, Kevin. It's Wednesday. I'll, I'll talk to him. I'll be like, hey, he lives yeah, in Philly. You can get I here. know. It's a cheap bus ride. Come on, Kevin. Um, but yes, yeah. That's but, a great book, yes, by the way. It's a wonderful And he's book. a great educator. I heard him give a talk on race and polyamory at Open Love New York. Hi, yes. Misha. He, like, just blew everybody away because he's amazing i mean he's amazing but that's it's like i learned from him the take the mic like take the money take the mic Mm. and then make sure people know that like i'm here but i'm uncomfortable yeah so i go to all white spaces and i'm like i'm here y'all but this is uncomfortable Mm -hmm. what are you doing what are you doing about this to help you fix it because i'm not doing it for free I've right. got too much to yeah. do. Right. Yeah. It turns out it's <laughs> not my job. Let's be clear here. <laughs> not your the job. audience's benefit too, right? Yeah. Because of, w- of what we find is that like, if we have the same types of voices, the same commentary right. year after year, season after season, show after show, people are not into that. No. So that's why I think the response to sex problems was so uniquely like it fervent. Was, yeah. I mean, like, you guys had such a fan base. Yeah. With that like, show. Hardcore. Like I the know. people, are the people, uh, here's how I would say it, yeah. the people who are into it were uh, 
turn to yeah. it. Like, very you're like hard mega fans. Mega, mega fans. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's because I think you just don't see what's... You don't the see show... two brown people. Yeah. Because yeah. they right. always have half to mm-hmm. white person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. two brown people. <laughs> you don't see fat women. Yeah. You don't right. see... And then you don't see them talking about sex. Yeah. But also, like, that sex is also, like, making your living room look nice. Yeah. And, and, right. Know, it's all of these things. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's, like, fun to watch, enjoyable. It's like you're hanging out with you guys, yeah. you know? And yeah. why would you is. want to hang out with y'all? It's like hanging know? out. It is. Yeah. It's like hanging out. And you're getting the messages in, in the... You're going into people's lives and showing them, as you just said, sex is in all these places that you're not thinking of it. You can be sexual in all these ways. Yeah. I mean, it's really inspiring how you guys also just like a lot of sex educators, I think are afraid of popular culture. Mm-hmm. Right. And they're just like not going there. Mm-hmm. I, love popular culture. I, I devour popular culture. Um, that's, so that's what yeah. you did with, that's how you two got started together. You're watching sex scenes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Can I just ask, can you tell us, what is a sex scene that you thought was really well done in a big movie? Not to put you too much on the spot. Or one that was just really poorly done. One that you're sitting there like, holy shit. I'm trying to think of a well done. I don't... What was the one where... Uh, for me, it's always, I, I can't think, oh gosh, I'm trying to, part, it, that, here's here's part of the answer, is that I can't really think off the okay. top of my head of the great ones. You know what? That's the answer. Right. That is the right yeah. that Do you guys right remember answer. Bound, a movie? Yes. Of course. Yes. That was a surprise. Yeah. yeah. Wow, because, I have a whole lot of movies I need to watch, you guys. I gotta go. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, I, yeah. I like a sex so scene movies. where it's like ugly and ugly can i say yeah, that yeah, like where yeah. it's like like not, real where, not rehearsed looking. yeah where like the the person mm. with the vulva masturbating isn't just thrown back where they're like in this position that kind of is awkward and you can hear it you body. can hear yeah. all the unlady like yeah. sound yeah, that's right or... happening all these things the queef etc like that's <laughs> and yeah. i don't see that yeah we need more queefs yeah. in represent we need queef happen more real not a big deal i forget the movie but she's She's humping a pillow. Oh, that's the one I'm thinking of. The, yeah, the, 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 so that the, was oh. actually because I was like, "That's a real thing." Like, that's yes, a real that's thing. A real thing. We do. I and like it was it was a masturbation and it wasn't pretty and yeah. she was like doing a thing and trying to keep the, the trying one. to keep the fan oh. trying to be in it because it's sometimes it's work. Right. I can't remember. I, I can't remember, remember it. I haven't seen the whole. Movie, All right, you're gonna tell us and we're gonna put it in the yeah, show we'll now. The yeah. actress is on Parks and Rec. She's the really deadpan, dry, With the reddish brown. Yeah, just. Yeah. Big beautiful eyes. I can't think of. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Arby Plaza. Yes. Okay. What well, the you. movie that she did? <laughs> Jane. Yes. But that was like that was real because somebody yeah. walked in, she fell off the bed, yeah. and it was comedic. But that we've all had that moment where somebody catches you in the middle of everything, mm-hmm. and I am somebody <laughs> who it's hard for me to hold fantasies in my head, and because my head wants to fly away. Yeah, to like they get away the from trauma. you. Well, no, it's also just especially like you teach your body to separate, and mm-hmm. then right. for through trauma, and nobody tells you how to fix it. And so I've been spending the rest of my whole life trying to fix my mind to stay in my body when I'm having sex, which I love sex yeah. but it, it takes work to not have everything fly out mm-hmm. and I love that she was like okay talking to herself and like I'm thinking about it because I do that sometimes because I'm like I'm gonna just say it out loud because then I can like focus on it and it was that was really good for me that's an amazing point I'm sorry to break no, your soul no. but I just want to say this this is an amazing point about pop culture and your mission both of you which is like you just put out there without even putting an underline under it this idea that like 
people who have experienced sexual trauma have sex lives. Yeah. How are we talking to these people? How are we representing them in popular culture? How are we connecting? For what they're into How are we not blaming them? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. this is yeah. a beautiful point. Because yeah. I get that a lot. Like I was in a, poly- yeah. a, a group in a discussion group on Facebook that I got blocked from commenting because I was just getting, they were like, you're being harassing. And I'm like, hey, white person, how about you not tell a black woman that she's being uncivil because she's being passionate. Oh. Um, and then they cut off my bill. And I just left the group because I was like, I don't need this in my life. Um, oh. But it, it's, I'm really tired of people telling people who are into polyamory or any kind of ethical non-monogamy mm-hmm. and people who are kinky that you are hypersexual because of your trauma and you must be into this because of your trauma. It's like, yes, if you had a Venn diagram and you created it, yeah, are some of us going to fall into those overlapping sections? Sure, but not everyone. And maybe some of these things affected my proclivities for things, but also kink for me is helping me get through some of this stuff. Mm -hmm. Kink has been Mm -hmm. so healing. Kink helped me reconnect to my body. I had no feeling in my nipples. Like if anybody played with my breast, it was like nothing. It was like you were touching my arm and it took a dom who was caring and kind and patient to like do pain things for me. And he was like, if you, if we create this pain sensation, your brain's not going to be able to ignore it. Mm. And so that's how I now have wonderful feeling in my nipples because of kink. Because of kink Not therapy. because of going to whatever. And maybe I could have gone to a therapist and figured it out, but this was free. This and, was, and, and it felt Probably good. a lot more fun. And, and yeah, it was a lot cheaper. But And I'm not saying everybody should do this, but kink helped me connect to my body. It helped with my self-esteem. Um, it helped just with all these things and I enjoy it. And I realize like something that turns me on mm. and something I'm into. And yes, maybe it might stem from some of the trauma I went to really early in associating, mm-hmm. but who the fuck cares if, right. I, if exactly. I feel good and I'm feel well adjusted and I'm not harming myself and, and I'm living a good life. Who the fuck cares? Well, I feel like we need a whole episode on people who experience sexual trauma and how they're living their best sex lives now. Will you come back? Yeah. Will you come back for yeah, that? It would be so and will good. You? Yeah. One thing I did want to touch on, even in like polyamory, like polyamory helped me understand myself so much more, like so much more and really yeah. uncover why I was sexual with people and why I was cheating on people and yeah. why I was looking for validation. Oh, am I looking for acceptance here? Mm-hmm. Like it, yeah. it really highlighted all of that for me instead of like, oh, I'm just fucking everybody and having yeah. orgies all the time, which is the misconception of people who are in open relationships. Right. People, yeah. yeah, people who are doing kink and people who are doing poly, I don't think there's an awareness and I think you guys are helping people become aware that those people are really thoughtful. Yes. Like, consent came from kink in a lot yeah. of ways. Yeah. Yeah. Polyamory is like a psychodynamic relationship as much as it's a sexual one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Francisco, what is your view? Like, how do you think America is, like, responding to mm. what the kind of messaging that you guys are putting out? I mean, to me, I live in New York. I feel like your messaging speaks to who's really in the world and how the world really is. Has there? Have you experienced pushback? Let me guess. Yeah, I mean, hundred. I mean, and so, what do you do about it? So, in my most recent role, I was um, vice president of education and training at Planned Parenthood here in New York City, and so had a team of sex educators all over the boroughs giving, you know, doing sex ed in classes for high school, middle school students. I just want to say I'm so glad you were in charge of that. Oh, thanks. Thank oh, you. Yay. I didn't know you were doing it, but thank you. Yeah, I was a little, I was a little rogue and rough for maybe for the organization because I, that's how I roll, you know, but there you are. Um, and I would have uh, my sex educators call me 
in a challenging moment and say, I'm here at X school in New York City and they won't let me say the word penis. What what can I do? What? Y'all. Happening more than once, right? Our sex ed getting shut down in New York City, even though we have a right to be there, even though people are fine with it, et cetera. So is there pushback? I give that example because that's New York City where a lot of times we believe like, oh, you know, we have all these... Pushback about a word, about a biological I mean, what what the hell are you supposed to say? Well, you could say it once, I was told, and then you cannot... The second time you out. The second time, that's (laughs) it, right? But I I think going back to this conversation about kink and um, shaming and and kind of misunderstanding people's Mm -hmm. um, experiences and the way that that gets into our heads, my... One of my theses is that we are taught that if we are in some way sexual, that there has to be some negative consequence somewhere in the universe, right? right? So that yeah. if I get off somewhere, somehow that ball thing that goes back, like everything oh. has an opposite <laughs> equal reaction, something else is going to get fucked off that is because such I a, just had an a, orgasm. That is such a deep yeah, belief. Like yeah, butterfly effect. Yeah. 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 yeah, you just blew my mind. Especially for women or people with vulvas, uh, marginalized people, Queer people, trans yeah. people, especially, right? Like, if I do this thing, then there's something negative going to happen. There's going to be a negative reaction because I just had some pleasure. So yeah. that can't stand. Yeah, <laughs> and so that's going to manifest in everything from, oh, I feel weird about my body afterwards. I feel dirty after having done this thing. I don't want to talk about sex. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go get an STI test. I don't want to tell my provider mm-hmm. X, Y, Z. All these sort of things. The, the, the ways that it manifests are so large. The way that it manifests around other people when they talk to us. And then if we hear that message and we haven't kind of cleaned up that part of it and put in new messages that's what that unpack the whack is about right it what what happens then is there's room for any negative idea to come in so the idea that when we hear someone's negative kind of you know clap back about something that we Mm -hmm. uh, sexual experience we had we say oh yeah i'm going to accept that subconsciously right because i've been looking for that confirmation that mm-hmm. what I just did was somehow wrong and right. fucked off. And so it's up to us then. It's a wonderful opportunity. And that's yeah. why I think people are actually really receptive to it, even though there is pushback. There is a lot of receptivity to this idea that I can create my own sex life. I can rather, I can create my own life and have things fly in, mm-hmm. fly out, examine things, lift them up, put them away as much as I want to. Okay, listeners, you yeah. have to you have to hear what Francisco and Lola are actually saying, which mm-hmm. is when you have pleasure... You might have this deep narrative in your head that because, especially if you're a marginalized person, you might have this deep narrative in your head that you're so undeserving of pleasure. You might think, oh, I just had pleasure. And then you might not even know that you're telling yourself on a deep level, like, I didn't deserve that. So something bad's going to happen now. Yeah. Right. Lola and Francisco just said to stop it. They're going to help you stop. Stop it. <laughs> yeah. well, just, it's, it's, and it's, it's just if you realize that it's normal. Yeah. Like mm. that there I love like people talk about perversion and I laugh. And it's like, yes, what we what one person's perversion is another person's normal because yeah. I right. talk to people who are just really like, oh my god, I could never about being eaten out. Right. Like it's it's a shifting stuff. thing yeah. for people, right? It's some people so think foot stuff is totally normal right. and some people think eating pussy is totally abnormal. Okay, you guys, we need to make 
um, T-shirts, they just need to say perv. Oh. Just to normalize it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right? Because right. we yeah. all have our, if you want to call it, like, do we all have kind of a kink or a preference or a perv? Let's yes. put it on this. Yeah. I mean, I've got a whole, I've got boxes right. of them. But it, and it <laughs> I've got hard drives. Like, yeah. There's states where any position except missionary is still illegal. It's like yeah. literally yeah. illegal. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Yeah. Yes. yes. Any yeah. position other than missionary or is illegal. illegal. And, and I don't know how they would know. And anal sex and of course, homosexuality. Well, legal yeah, everywhere, yep. all over the world. Yeah. To get you put in jail. Yeah. Like, who to get you put in prison. Was this Yahoo that decided to come up with that rule? Just there are the a number church. of people. That, yeah. It, so many people. Yes. Yeah. Many people so have been up on this. That's why it was this. illegal to yeah. be gay because being, yeah. you were a sodomite. And if you committed yeah. sodomy, you got put in prison. I have so another t shirt idea. Yeah. But yeah. even sodomite. Yeah. No, so you could be yeah. a top and never get fucked in the ass. Or yeah. maybe you were like, uh, someone who was gay but had never yeah. acted on it, but if they found out you were gay, yep. that must mean that you were doing the thing, and you could get put in jail for it. Yep. Yeah, I mean, basically, what, like we all need to go to jail. Like yeah. everyone Everybody. on the entire well, planet <laughs> needs to go to jail. Local state of Texas, you can't sell dildos over a certain length, or you can only have one certain number. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And in Georgia, there's one town. Oh my god, you can only buy toys from the gynecologist. There, you can't. And from the gynecologist? Like, so, yeah, there are places where the only people who are able to sell sex toys are gynecologists. Yeah, it's so much. You guys, we have so much work to do. We have so much work to do, but it's a hilarious story that the University of Texas, um, they ended up bringing like giant dildos to campus (laughs) in Austin because I guess... Maybe yeah. that's well, what they were protesting no, or something. I can't remember. The, or is it you're guns? Allowed to open carry a gun in a classroom. <gasps> that's but you couldn't you have, a, have a vibrator on campus. Come so they on. brought a bunch of dildos. And they, were, they, were, and they, and they did they open carry. 5,000 vibrators. They're like, put them on your book bag. If they're packing, so are we. That's and open. That, and that All was right. like, kudos to them. Because it's, yeah. you can't <laughs> so can just have a weapon yeah. while I'm trying to learn. And you know what else that shows? How anti-gun culture and anti-pleasure culture are like best friends right yeah. right yeah. Yeah. yeah and the policing of it i think about like even i mean just sorry recently. pro-gun and anti-pleasure yeah. pro-gun and anti-pleasure like go together we if uh, it's still we fight it all over the world in new york today i spent a long time fighting you know the the, the idea that people the new york police department was using condoms as evidence oh. of intent to do all sorts of things of prostitution etc so that people right. were stopped and frisked on the street and they had condoms in their pocket then we if would you say had more than one yeah or sometimes even just one. One, you could get arrested. You could get arrested. Well, they would arrest me right now. The charge. Right the now. charge. You yeah. are being sexually I would responsible. Be really off to jail. I have condoms, gloves, different sizes, and I've yeah. got lube. And, and so, and and the impact is real, right? So then we have people. Often in those cases, mm-hmm. it was trans immigrants, yes. people of color, etc., arrested, imprisoned. Uh, you know, spending t- spending some kind of time locked up, uh, deported, etc., because they were trying to take care of their. It's own basically the criminalization of sexual responsibility but, and yeah. not being mainstream. The funny thing yeah. is, though, that law is off the books in Brooklyn, yeah. but still in the city, and that. But the city also has a free condom program. Yeah, we had that free condom program concurrently. Yeah, you had the free condom <gasps> program concurrently where you could have condoms in a bar yeah. and take condoms from a bar, but the cops could stop you outside and arrest you for those free condoms supplied to you by the city. The hypocrisy yeah. is yeah. real. Yeah. Do we have to do you have time to answer a few yeah. Um, questions. Sure. From, yeah. Yeah. I want to answer a few questions for when it comes to STIs. You guys, can we yeah, hit you up? Yeah, okay, so STIs, they're just so clouded by shame mm-hmm. and stigma, mm-hmm. but we know that they're common. And talk about people deserving to have a sex life and to be represented. Yeah. Um, a lot of people just think that's it. It's the end for me. Um, I'm dirty. Yeah. We want to 
We hear from our listeners about that all yeah. the time. Yeah. All the time. That's yeah. like one of the things we get hit up most about is the stigma around it. So yeah. Joy yeah. said we could have a little extra time in the okay. room. So we just want to Let's do it. Yeah. Which is funny because I'm just now looking. I went on Instagram and I posted, you know, ask us anything about STIs. Mm-hmm. And the first one that's on here is what's the best way to share that you that you do have an STI with a new partner. So humiliating. Oh, yeah. okay. So boom. There. Like right. boom. I have to jump in there, right? So that Go. if I have that person in front of me, yes. the most one of the most critical things for me to answer or to respond to is not the question, but the so humiliating part. Right. Yes. And to just give all the space in the world, hugs mm, if they're wanted, yeah. appreciation, Ben and Jerry's, etc. Whatever is needed for someone to have that space to say, fuck. I feel humiliated, but I have felt or I do feel humiliated about this. That is real. And we need to have a full paragraph, full stop on that, because if we can't move past that part of our feelings, then it's hard to have any of these conversations. Right. Right. So acknowledge that. Be with that. Recognize that it's 2020 Mm -hmm. back to basics. We are moving beyond that. And then how do you have that conversation? You can Google how to have that conversation and you'll find interesting starters. They're cool. Right. And the standards that we've been writing for decades now are like, I really care about you and therefore X, Y, Z. Right. Or I was recently tested. I'd love to have a conversation about this. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you have some free time? I'm hoping we can talk about something that's important to me. Or One of my favorites, actually, for any of these kind of conversations is, listen, I kind of feel awkward doing this, but I wanted to whatever. Before we get intimate. Before we get intimate. And and the thing is, Mm. too, it's like the more we talk about what we are consent and what we're into and you can make it a part of that conversation and it's the you know like hey I want to talk about some of my interests but I also want to talk about some of my limitations and a big part of this is arming yourself with information yeah so if you know like if you have herpes per se and you know when was the last time you had an outbreak what if you do you often get off outbreaks um have you ever had an outbreak because a lot of people will be you might get test positive but you've never had an outbreak and so all of these things it's like if you have all the information around you know the sci you have you can say like hey I've had herpes for X amount of years. I've never had an outbreak, and but it can still be contracted through skin to skin. But mm-hmm. I want to let you know. But mm-hmm. I've also it's more prevalent to pass it if you are having an outbreak. Mm-hmm. Um, and so being able to say like, hey, here's the thing. I want to let you know, and like I'm on this medication or I'm not on this or whatever the things mm-hmm. are, and let people make choices. Mm-hmm. But one of the things we talk about with herpes all the time is like cold sores are herpes, y'all. Get over it. When you the mm-hmm. cold sore is HSV one, you. Have have herpes. If you give somebody, you go down on them with a cold sore, you're going to give them genital herpes. You're going to give them HSV-1 on their genitals. Mm. That is, and, and you can't not get HSV-1 because it is so easy. You brush face, you kiss your mom, you like whatever you pick mm-hmm. up. Right. You're, there's you're, so many things. You're there's an no athlete. Not you get. share what are the statistics on herpes, HSV-1 and HSV-2? HSV-1, so you, you're I, good it, at that. At least one in five sexually active adults in the U.S. have herpes. As for HPV, it's the most common one in, in the in the United States. Right. So if you're sexually active... They just approve a, it to for people up to 45 can now get the HPV vaccine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which is great. Uh, and the majority of people who are sexually active, some people say half, more than half, 79%, according to American Sexual Health Association, uh, of sexually active adults have 
um, had S- a- a- HPV, oftentimes it resolves itself. I say that information though, and all those statistics to really normalize this. So Great. my thing is for all the listeners, having an STI is a normal part of being a sexually active adult. And I'm going to repeat it. it Having an STI is a normal part of being a sexually active adult. And if you're watching on YouTube, you can see I'm smiling. That's a great reframing. Yeah. It's something yes. that just happens. So I took the B train up here, right? Yes. To get to get to these lovely mm-hmm. studios of Bryant Park, right? Uh, it happens to be cold and flu season. Thank you very much. I'm not wearing my gloves. Right. I was touching all kinds of things, right? I generally take precautions as much as I can. I try to wash my hands, use my Purell, et cetera. But my hands were all in those bars, right? Mm-hmm. These things happen. Flus right. happen. Colds Flus happen. happen. Sexually transmissible infectious diseases happen. In, in fact, right? right? This is what happens. This is a normal part. Okay, of being this is adult. a very powerful reframing, and yeah, I think very. it's incredibly helpful because it deals with stigma. And you're talking about, oops, sorry, facts. Right, like getting facts. Yeah. What's another question? Mm. People want to know time for how one often more. to get checked. Mm-hmm. So, if you are someone who is considered high risk, meaning you have multiple partners, they also put LGBTQ folks in high risk just off the bat, um, which I kind of hate. Kind of, like I do hate, not kind of. Mm-hmm. I hate um, because it's like that doesn't mean everybody's mm-hmm. out there doing the thing. Yeah, but just because you you're are... in a group doesn't mean you're doing a behavior. Right. Just because you're doing a behavior doesn't mean you're in a right. group. Hello. I feel like if you have more than one partner and those partners have partners, every six months is is a good time to get checked. I actually just got my STD check. Um, I started Truvada uh, last month, which is prep. Yeah. Um, oh, because you have a bisexual partner. Well, or because I, you... well, I'm queer. My partner's queer. We both have multiple partners. I have, I have one night stands. I, you know, tell our cruise. listeners what prep is because <laughs> yeah. somebody specifically DM'd me and said, right. can you guys talk about prep? prep? And look at Lola doing it. Yeah. So prep is right now. I think there's Truvada. There's mm-hmm. another one that hasn't been approved for mm-hmm. people with vulvas yet because mm-hmm. they need to do more testing. Mm-hmm. And I forget the name of it, but prep is the drug that basically you can take that helps you basically in layman's or just not get HIV. I think it's a certain specific strain of HIV that's most prevalent, but it's it's basically like birth control, but for HIV. So you take it every day. It's part of my daily routine. I go in, I'll be going in every three months so they can check my kidney function because it can affect your kidneys and my and they'll test for HIV to just make sure. So I'll do that every three months. So I'll be getting an HIV test every three months and my kidneys checked. Um and basically, it's just if something happens, I use condoms. I can't take birth control. Hormones make me literally bonkers. Like, Thank you. They, un- they, they unhinge me to a place I do not enjoy. And I like it's will fervently fight to not be on birth control because I lost my mind and it was not good. And I will never go back there. And mm-hmm. copper IUDs for me create, uh, I can't because my flow is already really fucking heavy. Right. I'm not doing that more. So I use condoms. I'm allergic to latex and I use latex free condoms and I always carry my own and all these things. But on top of that, if something happens, a condom break, condom breaks. I had a condom break with a partner, this new person I was having sex with, we had sex a couple times. So condom broke and he was like, oh my God. And I'm like, it's cool. I'm cool. I'm, a, I'm, a, I, I'm getting tested soon. I already have it on the book. So here we go. I went and I got plan B. Was, cool, cool, cool. It cost 40 bucks. All good. And then that was when I was like, I'm starting Truvada because, you know, yeah. add it to the thing. There's also PEP, which is uh, basically the morning after pill for HIV. So if you have, again, something happens, an accident, and when I and it, and I don't always mean condom break, but it could be poor judgment. You didn't think about it. Uh-huh. You were overheated. 
something happened via assault, something, yeah. whatever, mm. you can go in and it's a series of pills you take. I think you have to take them for a week and it can help stop that HIV from forming in your system. Yeah. And that one is really the the timing for just for listeners is super critical. So yeah. when people need PEP, they need to access it as soon as possible. So we, we won't give it. Yeah. We won't give yeah. it after 72 hours. So yeah. ideally 36 to 72, but the earlier all of our data shows that it's always the earlier, the better. Yeah. And you have to complete the full, the, the dosage on these things are really important. Mm-hmm. So you have to complete the full thing for the, for the PEP, for everyone listening. If you're thinking that it might be great for you, it's great to get information. It's think about your lifestyle. Also, a lot of times, though it has around a 90% effectiveness, uh, that's if you take it every day. Right. And in real world, every day as directed in real world use, we see it about 44 to 79% effective because not everyone can take it as directed. Just right. because okay. how people live. All right. right. Compliance. We, Compliance. We have life. And just, and I still use, like, I don't look at the prep as like a free pass to not use condoms. Um, I'm still using condoms. I still use barrier methods for certain things. And so... It's just arming yourself and mm-hmm. like it's being it's like you said, STDs happen. And like I've had moments um where like a partner got in touch with me and he's like, Oh, like I tested for chlamydia. You can get y'all, you can get gonorrhea and chlamydia in your throat, like from giving blowjobs and things okay. or mm-hmm. just oral, period. So people think if they think if I don't have P and V or yeah. P and A sex yeah. that it's not gonna happen. So you go you get tested. Usually the doctors, if it's like chlamydia or gonorrhea. Oh, we have to yeah. wrap. Okay. But just quick, they'll just go ahead and give you the antibiotics while mm-hmm. you're waiting to be tested so you don't even have to deal with it, whether you're positive or not. This, so, yeah. yeah. Right. This is, I mean, if I took one thing from what you guys have told us today, it's that um, sexual pleasure is for everybody. Mm-hmm. Sex ed has to fit into the real world and who people really are. Let's talk to everybody. And also, like, get the information. So many of us are in denial about our sexuality that we might not even want to think about prep. Right. But if we did, it could lead to more pleasure, more right. agency. Thank yeah. you. Yes. Thank I would you. Love to wow. Come back I'd love on. to come back. There's yes. so much to say on this. Sex so ed is more. so much fun with yeah. Francisco and Lola. Work, you're coming you. back. You're coming Yay. back. Thank, Thank you, you for being <laughs> here. Hey, we hope you enjoyed this podcast. And if you did, it would help us a lot if you would leave a review. Yeah. Leave a review, subscribe. We want to know how you guys felt about the episode. It really helps us out a lot to continue the success of the podcast and keep spreading our message.